Hello and welcome to the last Scottish Rugby podcast of this season. Um, I've got with me tonight Al Kerr. Hello. And uh, Rory Baldwin. Hello. Uh, we are on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, as well as the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, you can leave comments there and we'll pick them up. We've got quite a few to get through tonight. Um, we're also on Twitter, at scottrugbyblog. Uh, and I'm at Cami Black. We're on Instagram, Scottish Rugby Podcast, and you can email us podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Um, it's a two-parter. Again, uh, today we're going to spend the first part looking back over Scotland's uh, season, and then in the second part we'll look at Glasgow and Edinburgh and the state of Scottish rugby in general. Uh, we'll somehow cram all that in to the time we've got. Um, Rory, you're you're here by popular demand. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, first time for everything, Rory. Well, it was yeah, one of the Neils. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, one yeah. of the Neils um, demanded the that you come. Chalice. Yeah, um, for balance, the judge also demanded more John Anderson. To be fair, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still haven't figured out if the judge is someone we know already, just pretending to be someone else. <laughs> there's, def- there's definitely there's definitely one guy that's about ten different people. Yeah, well, I've got I've got a working theory. There's only about three people comment on the blog. Yeah, but we love you. <laughs> Three all three of you um even if one of you has an argument amongst yourself um anyway let's 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 crack on scotland then uh alan rory um it's an odd one this because i was looking at it and it felt like a bit of a mixed bag but in actual fact played 10 won seven and lost four isn't a bad return is it al is that no. mathematically possible is that well <laughs> I've, have i gone yeah that is played 10 no, that's not mathematical. What have I done there? <laughs> I've used an extra finger somewhere. I, I was literally using if my I'm fingers. Up on maths. <laughs> I was using my fingers today to work that out. So, I'll... anyway, it felt like a mixed bag. While I work that out, where I've gone wrong. Um... <laughs> You've either played ten or and and you played eleven. You've missed one, or they played oh. eleven and we played three right. three in the summer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this live. One, two, three in the summer. No, not in the summer. We three in the autumn. Three then in the summer. Three in the summer at six, and then played five. So, yeah, you pro- so it must be a played 11. Played 11. Seven, there right? you go. Played 11, won seven, lost four. So that's. I'm sure they'll tell us if we're wrong. That's, that, that, that's a fair. That, that's maybe better than, than, than you think, Al. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean if I'm, first of all, probably. I think everyone should applaud the professionalism that we're showing here. This has been um, a, a rep roaring start, gents. <laughs> I do have notes. This it does show. I do have notes. They're not correct, but I do have notes that I work on. <laughs> you get you get points for effort, Cam. Uh, if nothing else. <laughs> so look, I, mean, I think if somebody had said at the start, you know, this time what last year, coming off the back of the defeat to Fiji, that we would have thumped Australia, thumped Argentina away from home. That we would have run New Zealand to within, um, you know, three or four meters in the last minute. We would have spanked England uh, into next week. Um, you know, you would have probably been pretty happy with that. Um, then, if somebody had said to you at the beginning of last year, you've got trounced in Wales, barely kept up with it in Ireland, squeaked over the line against Italy, and then got beat by USA, you'd probably think, ugh. That's not necessarily the best year. So it depends, you know, which side of the coin you want to look at. I think in terms of the trajectory for next uh, for the World Cup, 
you know, there is things to be built on, but it's not been a, you know, an unmitigated success, but it's not been an unmitigated disaster. Do you think, I mean, Rory, do you think that comes down to things like the Wales game and the away form then? Is that, that why it, feel, it doesn't feel as satisfying as it might have done in years gone by? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably, going into the start of the season, there was probably quite a lot of, everyone was thinking, right, we're building the team. And it's something you do hear, there's a fair bit of chatter about, it's right, right, we're going to we're gonna beat Wales this year, this would be, you know, we'll... We'll go down to Cardiff and give a good account of ourselves. And I think that some of us, some um, of some of us, went on Radio Wales and said that. <laughs> I mean, you know, especially after it's the usual story, isn't it? We had a we had a great autumn, and um, and the hopes were high going into the Six Nations. I think it's probably just the fact that that sort of happened again, is that you know, the autumn might have been even better than our usual good autumns, which meant that we had even higher hopes for the Six Nations, and there was, um, you know, it, it wasn't. There were it had there were certainly high points, um, but it wasn't quite as uh, quite as successful as maybe we'd expected in our in our hearts, you know. I mean, if we, if we work backwards uh, through the year, um, because there's been a lot of um, talk on the blog um, and a lot of questions asked about whether or not that summer tour can be considered a success. And I suppose overall, I mean, for, for for me, I would say yes, given the number of players that have been exposed to. Um, first level international rugby um we've got a lot more depth in the squad now i think the usa game i think when me and ian actually talked about it it didn't we, we were a lot more positive about it i think than i think i thought we were going to be going into the podcast and it was interesting listening to sort of blood and mud after it where you know leon blood and mud was was saying very much it, it's a blip more than it doesn't really tell us much i don't think losing to the usa when we look back at it it's not the disaster it was so what what what's your take on it then Al? Do, do you think it was a is that a, was that a successful summer tour so I, th- I think if you you look at how much we changed it up going out there right and it was very evident that and this is probably Townsend's or was probably Townsend's last window i would suggest before the world cup for for you know getting you know new opportunities out there because I, I really think from this point on we need to be starting to settle down and actually you know forming our strongest 22 but you look at what we got out you know Hastings I think uh, showed up relatively well particularly against Argentina George Horn obviously came along did well I thought Bradbury um, certainly stuck his hand up in there so you know you're looking at three extra players going into the mix I would suggest that alone it probably counts as a success um, you know you're on a hiding to nothing against Canada and USA um, you know, Canada are a shambles. So, you know, what do you get out of that? It's a, it's a warm-up session. USA have been playing really well. You know, I mean, they've gone was it something like six or seven games unbeaten, something silly like that. Granted, they've not necessarily been playing tier one, but you know, they're not an awful team. And I tell you, one person that would have sat up at that result would not be Eddie Jones, right? Because USA are, are in a, are England's group at the next World Cup, so that things might have just tweaked them slightly. But uh, yeah, for us. Uh, you know, it's a qualified success, I would suggest. Yeah, I mean, um, Roscoe over on the blog had commented saying um, that w- when we, if we play the way that Townsend plays, we're going to lose games sometimes heavily as we're opening up. But in a learning, but in a in learning different game management, then hopefully the players can dictate games better in the future. Do you think? I mean, for, there was a question I think halfway through the tour on Twitter, I think it was, Rory, someone asking me, is this a... They were in a a debate with somebody, I think, on another forum about whether or not it was a development tour or not. I mean, for for you, was was that a development tour? 
Yeah, I think I think you've got to say you've got to say that it was. I mean, look at the guys that they that they didn't take. I think um, if 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 he'd maybe taken his full squad apart from the guys that were having injury and surgery, then yeah, you could say okay, that losing to the USA that that's a bit of a nightmare. And you know, in years gone by, we probably would have taken the full team or the best team available, and we could have easily lost that, and that would have been a disaster. But if you look at the guys who were arrested, you know, deliberately because of the season they've got ahead of them. Um, I don't think you could argue that that was anywhere close to a full strength Scotland, um, and yet, as you know, as I said, we've on our three or four guys who are probably ready to take the step up and be, you know, be a regular, regular part of the the main the main squad when it, it reassembles in November. I mean, me, me and uh, John were touching on this last week. Is there anyone for you that you think has sort of really stuck the hand out and is now either? You know, pushing for a, a first fifteen place, or is is almost nailed on to be in any future squad. I think uh, Kinghorn on the wing is. Um, we've, there's always been that sort of question about who the fourth back three cover is. You know, if you've got Seymour, Maitland, Hogg, and a another, and I think Kinghorn's the a another now. He he did more than more than McGuigan's done. Um, Lee Jones is unfortunately injured, so we'll never. Um, know quite what he might impact he might have been able to have in the uh, in the in the tour but yeah i think him i mean McAnally, we, we knew he was he was nailed on probably anyway um i think it was good to see as i said uh, to see bradbury stepping up um i think he and richie are going to be in the mix certainly um i mean that i think was richie's first it was his first cap and possibly his first call up to the squad as well so i mean it was canada but he went he went very well to sheard and I think it'll be kind of he'll he'll be sending them back to back to their their clubs and saying more of the same guys and you'll be involved again in the autumn. Um, I don't know that there's two you know there's there's obviously one or two guys to come back in, but um, some of the more peripheral figures like uh, you know like the the Cornell Dupree guys like that. Um, I think Tooney may may well go with the no go with the young guys over them if there's a you know if there's a fifty fifty call to to make up the numbers in the squad. Um, anyone for you, Al, that, that sort of has sort of stuck the hand up out of the sort of the almost the dirt trackers, really, or the youngsters that that you think now is a sort of nailed on? I, I don't think any. I mean, I think Rory's probably nailed it with Kinghorn, right? I mean, he's probably he, obviously he's already well, he, he scored against Ireland, so he's already been there or thereabouts. <clears throat> so it's not necessarily a surprise. George Horn, I think, has certainly played himself into the mix. Yeah. As but as a backup to Laidlaw, I still think Laidlaw is nailed on at nine. I think you need his control. You know, if you if you were picking your strongest, I'd need to have Laidlaw. And I think Horn though, um, is probably jumped over the top of of Ali Price. Uh, and I guess we just have to see how Hidalgo Klein goes down at Scarlets. But you know, if he rips it up there, then you know, it could get quite interesting. Um, and then I do think Hastings because you know we everyone knows about the paucity at ten, right? So you either drop Laidlaw back, but you lose a lot. Or you've got you know Horn Senior in there. Um, uh, I I quite like to look at Hastings. I thought he looked he's quite athletic. I thought his kicking was was reasonable in the Argentina game that I saw and the bits I saw anyway. Um, and I, I I think part of the issue that we've got going into the World Cup next year is we still need to formulate a plan B. And I do wonder Hastings is a pretty good boot. Um, he might just be a bit less mercurial <laughs> than, than <laughs> Finn and by the time Finn's you know had a year at Racing I can't imagine he's going to get any less mercurial um, I hate to think what sort of bag of tricks he's going to come back <laughs> with but you know I think you need a plan B and I wonder if Hastings might help form part of that 
a bit more traditional ten. Yeah, um, we'll we'll come on to the World Cup um, squad towards the end, but um, the Six Nations. Then, I mean, it, this is supposed to be the year where traditionally when Scotland do well, isn't it? When you've got England and France at home, which I think that's that's the way. I mean, certainly, it's always the way my dad's put it: is all oh, when England, when we have England and France at home, that's the year Scotland do well. But I don't I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it. It tends to be the other way that we do well when we have the three home games. That, uh, uh, but it still somehow feels, you know, we beat England and France at home, and we well we beat scraped to win against Italy away. So that's three wins, but it still didn't feel altogether satisfactory. Whereas I think a couple of years ago we might might have bitten bitten hands off for that sort of result, Rory. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a trick. Uh, the other thing that certainly my dad says as well. Um, is that we always traditionally do well years after Lions tours, so I mean it's kind of the is the, the perfect storm of of um, old wives' tales for when Scotland play well at rugby <laughs> this season, and we yeah we didn't or old old gentlemen's tales, um, and yeah we didn't didn't quite do it. I think I think you you probably got something there. Um, England doesn't really matter what sort of form Scotland are in, or indeed what sort of form England are in. England at, at Murrayfield. You know, Scotland always always tend to uh, tend to tur- turn up for. Um, so I think maybe we might have, maybe not the manner of the victory, but we would have expected, you know, to give it a crack. And I think, and you know, we've beaten France fairly recently at home as well. So I think we were probably we probably put more. We wanted to show that, wanted the team to show that they were stepping up to the next level and, and able to take on Wales, um, take on Wales and Ireland on their own patches um, as two teams that. That you know we've struggled against in, in recent years, certainly certainly away, um, and maybe it was because we didn't didn't quite didn't quite get to do that. Um, certainly the Wales the Wales game is um, that was a major major downer to the start of the tournament. And I mean credit to the team that they managed to actually get a positive tournament out of it after that start. They could quite easily have a um, couple of couple more dodgy results, and it could have been you know looking down the barrel of a wooden spoon again. Which would have, you know, I think that would have done a disservice to the work they did in the, in November. It's interesting now that the the Tom English sort of sum up of the Scotland's tournament, very much sort of the point he made was that the the way Scotland players celebrated after the Calcutta Cup win was quite telling compared to the way that he said so he was sort of showing that the, that the Ireland players celebrated after beating Scotland, which was. That was it. They on to the next game. Whereas the, the reaction, and we've all seen the video of uh, Finn and and, and Greg absolutely laid lord <laughs> um, singing "Flower of Scotland." But but uh, is it a mindset thing then? Scotland are still very much. If we beat England, then everything's going to be okay. Is, is, do you think there's a change in mindset Scotland need, and they need to sort of be a bit more sort of business like about it? I suppose, and just sort of say, yeah. "We've won the game. Let's move on, lads, to the next one." I mean, I think it's a bit. <laughs> A bit disingenuous to say it's only celebrating you against England, right? So I don't. I, I think <laughs> they need to get used to winning. That's the bit that they're not used to, and they need to get they're into their heads the fact that they're actually a pretty handy side, right? Um, I still think that's part of the learning curve that they've got to go on. Um, the fact is that winning shouldn't be, you know, a match against the, you know, a half decent side is oh like, we've arrived and you know, let's go ahead and get, you know, let's celebrate. I think it's right onwards and upwards onto the next thing, and and that you know that is quite a that is the difference between you know having the talent and them having you know a successful side. So I think we've got the talent and we have all the, the you know the ingredients, but that mentality shift 
to switch into you know the way that the successful Welsh sides were you know maybe you know three four five years ago the the mode that Ireland are in the mode that England were in for God knows how many games back to back before the wheels came you know crumbling out there um, that's the that's the development that needs to happen now you know I I, I think it is a, there is certainly a kernel of truth in what you know Tom English was saying I think it's ever you can see it's a window into where the psyche's at and it needs to you know progress. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because I was I was looking back at our old round table articles that we used to do after, at the end of seasons, at the end of Six Nations, mainly to try and see if I could nick any questions. <laughs> and back in 2015, we we were all sort of talking about this this idea that Scotland can't play for a full 80 minutes, and and I'm not sure that's an issue anymore. I think if you sort of were to stick the one, you know, put a pin in in Scotland's issues now, it's it's form away from home. And I'm not. It's something Stuart Simpson sort of. Uh, he, he's one question that we had is, you know, what what is it Scotland need to do now to get that consistency and and sort of get that away monkey off the back? So don't I don't necessarily think that, that the win against Argentina proves anything or, or helps at all. Rory. Yeah, um, it, it's a tricky one. I mean, Argentina are not uh, not uh, doing particularly well in the in the sporting front. So are we all distracted at the moment? By no, it's just, <laughs> it's just you. As, just as live and as it happens, I think Colombia have just equalised. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like living up to type. Sorry. Um, <laughs> carry on. But if you're, if you're listening to this on uh, on iPlayer, then um, yeah. it, may have, it may have happened. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the Argentina game is, is a tricky one to, uh, to sort of use as the uses it to test I think Wales beat Argentina pretty comfortably so if you spoke to a Welsh fan and said and we said oh we beat Argentina so we, we can play away and they would go well can you we'll come down to Cardiff again in fact we're going to Cardiff in November so um, whether he takes a development team or the full squad there I mean if you look at it uh, one way although it's a sort of out of out of the test window extra fixture um it is possibly a chance for Tooney to um, to to integrate some of the um, some of the guys who weren't involved over the summer back with the, the new guys um, a bit a bit more quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there, well, there's, I mean, the main problem is still, uh, as you say, the the away form. There's there's other sort of slightly smaller areas in in the games. Um, we used to be a team that only really played in the second half, but now we seem to have figured that out and come out you know come out firing in the first half. Um, put together strong first half performances, um, but go go to sleep a little bit. Let teams get back into it. Um, even the game against Ireland at Murrayfield a few years ago, you know, played played the pretty well in the first half, but they were you know they were coming back and Scotland were clinging on by the end. Um, so yeah, I think uh, concentration. I mean that could be concentration. That could be a mixture of that. It could be depth as well. Um, when you're bringing the guys off the bench, they're maybe not quite as quite as good as say you know the guys that Ireland bring off the bench. Um, but that's what this tour has been about: building a bit more depth, um, getting those those young, confident guys to uh, who you know who are going to come on and, and make that make that impact. I mean, you look at George Horn; you think the prospect of him coming off the bench for sort of twenty minutes to go um, it would be quite quite frightening for uh, some for some teams, especially if you've got a big you know a big forward pack. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, there's there's a few. There's a few things that they need to work on restarts, as always. Yeah. 
<laughs> so the Rory, the, the the point around you know slow second half or you know the blowing teams away in the first half and then you know letting teams sneak their way back into it. Do you yeah. think there's an element of the game management plan in there though? You know, right? So I think the problem is we've got a team that's set up to you know to score points, but do you think they're trying to? You know, the Argentina game, for example, there was an element of, right, job's done, like, shop, shop. And do you think yeah. that's something they're trying to develop? Maybe, you know, we've seen it in a few occasions, right? England as well. They certainly weren't as ambitious second half as they were first half. Plus, yeah. England couldn't have been any worse. That's something that they're, they're going to learn as well. Um, something Tooney's going to have to learn in terms of the, the kind of management strategy with, with closing out games. You can't really play the way that Scotland like to play all the time. Unless yeah. it's really working, yeah. the chances of it really working for eighty minutes are, are pretty slim. They've talked about um, breaking the game down into quarters, haven't they? And, and having a different game plan for every quarter. And I wonder if that's part of it. This idea that at the st- if you're ahead, then at the start of the second half, just just um, wear the opposition out, and then in the last mm. in the last twenty minutes, open up again. We sort of saw that against Argentina, I guess that. that they did seem to be that sort of just let's just all have catch our breath for twenty minutes, recover a little bit, and then try and open it up again in the last twenty minutes. It just didn't. I think with the replacements coming on, it didn't necessarily click. Yeah, I mean, it could be a lot of the teams. They talk about the the time either side of half time though. That's a that's a pretty good time to kind of put the put the result. If you come out straight after half time, and and you're in the lead, but maybe not massively in the league you come out there and just you can you can put the game to bed there and then you can relax um which is something that you know ireland do and new zealand do quite well um so i don't know i mean maybe maybe they're back into fitness and yeah they do they, they think okay well maybe just relax a bit for the the sort of middle the, the third 20 minutes and then uh foot down foot down for the end um Right, I'm gonna. I've, I've decided just just for today, I'm gonna to bring back uh, one of our favourite jingles. We requested quite it's a lot. It's the legally mandated lions chat. The legally mandated lions chat. We've heard so much about it that it makes us sick. But we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's gonna pick. Yeah, it's the legally mandated lions chat. Just because um, we've had a lot of requests um, for that to make a return, um, so I, it gave me an excuse to shoehorn this question in. Um, would Scotland Al get any more players in the Lions squad this year, or would they have than they might have done last year? I wasn't sure they would have. I actually not sure they might have had less. I, I'm not sure. I, I would have. There's three names that jump out to me. Uh, if you take injury aside, right? If we were coming into Alliance now, so we hadn't had the summer tour, we'd come off the back of the Six Nations. I think that Barclay and Watson would have been there or thereabouts, particularly if you look at how maybe some of the other back rows have tailed off elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would have certainly had a shout, particularly for the type of game that we would, you know, fight fire over fire with New Zealand. I think they would have been there or thereabouts. And I think McAnally um, would have had to be in by a shout out hooker, right? Because he's... He's been pretty much Scotland's standout performer now since since the autumn. I think he's been outstanding. I I, I would struggle to see how McAnally wouldn't get into that um, Lions Lions uh, squad. Yeah, he, I'd agree with that. Um, there's not. I mean, there weren't too many. Probably the other standout hooker would have been um, Girado French, and he's obviously not going to get picked. Um, yeah, so I totally agree. I think McAnally would definitely have been in the, in there um, because there aren't. 
there weren't that many hookers that sort of stood up and, and said, look at me. Um, and he definitely did. He was he was one of Scotland's best players in every game they played, um, win win or lose. I think the I think Hog Hog would have gone still. Um, yeah. I, might, think, I think Laidlaw. I think Laidlaw would have still gone. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Seymour might not have gone. Interestingly, no, I don't think he would have. No, because uh, the form he was in going into the Lions tour was, uh, you know, it's night and day compared to the form. At the end of the Six Since, Nations, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hugh Jones, maybe he, he had a pretty good Six Nations. Um, yeah, I think Jones would have been a good shout for the Lions. I might have thought about him. But yeah, I mean, if you take take uh, if you take Seymour out, put Jones in, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, the, Ireland had a lot of good back rows. There's back row, the back row competition is mental. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean... I could, I could see, I could easily see Barkley being snubbed, but I can, I, th- I think there's definite, I think there was an argument for Watson before, and there would definitely have been an argument for Watson again after that Six Nations. Yeah, I think, I think oh, I mean, the conclusion I came to on thinking about this is, I think we, we would have been equally, uh, probably unjustly angry about it this year, as we might have been last year. I don't think, I, I, I think the, you know, Warren Gatlin said the away form played very heavy on his mind last year and I, I don't think anything's changed in that respect this year particularly yeah um, that's an excuse from Gatland though right I mean it's Gatland I just yeah. sorry I, I'm the, calling bullcrap on that the other the other thing is obviously that we hadn't run New Zealand close before that's his true. last pick whereas we had this so you know there was a little bit more in the way of evidence certainly you know player on player matchups yeah, that's very true, I mean, and it was. I mean, looking at that, then, I mean, it, it was a successful autumn. It just maybe it was a shame we didn't kick on after it, Al. Yeah, I mean, and and that I think was the the biggest disappointment after you know of, of the Wales game, right? Because I mean, the, I was at Rune and both at the New Zealand game, and there was something in the air that night. I know we've discussed this on pods previously, but I mean, that was it felt like a sign of a team coming and then to follow it up with an absolute trouncing of Australia and I appreciated the red card but you know Scotland were were clinical in a way that I don't think any of us have seen probably in you know decades but to then go and fall flat in their faces in Wales it, it just it set the wrong the wrong tone right so I mean it, yeah I mean if we'd carried on in that trajectory I think we'd all be getting very excited the question actually is are we better to have fallen when we did, and actually, if we'd gone in and you know romped the Six Nations this year and done really well, had we actually peaked a year too early, and maybe actually we'll see how we come out the back of these autumn internationals. But if we you know have a strong autumn internationals, having lost again in the summer to a team that we probably shouldn't have lost to away from home, and the same as we did last year, we have what more winnable autumn internationals this year, and the fact that we don't have New Zealand this year, if I remember correctly, yeah. then in, then into Six Nations, you're sitting there going, well, actually, there's an opportunity here to be stringing together. We've got, uh, what, uh, three home games this Six Nations, an mm. opportunity to be going in, uh, an unbeatable England and a beatable France, your opportunity to go in off a run of really good results into that World Cup. So maybe, maybe in the long run, <laughs> the disappointment of, or, you know, the, uh, maybe not, living up to the aspirations of last year's Six Nations might actually play for us in the longer run. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because the wheels have come off England a bit, so you know they're going to go into the World Cup you know, taped together with hopes and dreams and aspirations of Eddie Jones. You've <laughs> got prayers. Yeah. Um, you know, Ireland, Ireland have got ridiculous depth, 
and and perhaps there is an argument to say they they've they are peaking a little bit too soon but there's also conversely it might just be they're an insanely good team with insane depth and they'll just continue on their current trajectory mm. and might you know could have could have a really good world cup but then Scotland I mean probably Scotland and Wales are fairly similar and they both feel at the minute like they're building towards something Rory and that maybe is a, yeah. something positive to take yeah I think uh, both both sides will probably be um probably be hoping for something something similar um although I suppose if you're if you're being if you were looking at the um the arse end of the head heart and our spectrum you would you would be thinking that Wales seem to have managed to regain an upward trajectory rather quicker than the sort of 10 years it's taken Scotland to get there um they've had a doldrum of about half a year yeah and uh yeah so yeah i mean i think uh, all both both teams will be will be hoping they're they're going to need a good um they're going to need a good six nations to give them some confidence going into the world cup you know, yeah. just, if only, if only, certainly in Scotland's case, if only to prove that on their day they can beat Ireland, um, it's going to be very different playing them at Murrayfield than it will be playing them in, in Yokohama. But um, that you know, if they can, if they can, if they can beat them, if Ireland, you know, Ireland will have their their full their full team, and it's a very impressive team, and they're very well coached. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if if uh, Schmidt had it in mind to peak peak early, but um, you never know that the Injuries and circumstance can be can be a funny thing. So, um, I think Ireland are certainly the the team to beat in the Six Nations next year. France might come back. I mean, they they showed up quite well against New Zealand, apart from some sort of, you know, a bit being hard hard done by by the referees a few few times. And some of the score lines weren't you know weren't that far apart, um, at least for you know first stages of the game. So, I mean, France France may yet. Uh, they may yet have something to say there, but they're probably due a resurgence as well. And and you know they've been on a they've been on a fairly kind of downward curve for for what feels like a good few years now. Yeah, I mean, um, looking ahead to the World Cup, then um, Gav's put a couple of articles up on the blog today and yesterday, just revising his potential World Cup squad following the summer test. So to go and have a look at that, um, the having a look at that. Um, Here's an interesting thing. Do you do you can either of you tell me? I'll have a guess at the six players that played in 2011 and 2015 for Scotland in the World Cups. In the World Cups. Uh, so Greg Laidlaw. Nope, didn't he? He was in the training squad before 2015, but didn't. Uh, no, 2011. He was in the training squad for 2011, but didn't get picked. Um, Gordy Reid. Nope. We've got to be looking at forward. Oh, wait, 20, so, 2011 John, and 2015. Uh, Richie Gray. Uh, Richie Gray, yep. Ross Ford. Ross Ford, yep. Yeah. Um, right, who, was, who, who played against England that night in Auckland, Rory? <laughs> Cash your mind back. Oh, God. <laughs> um, they're still on the go. Um, Barkley. Barkley was there, right? Mm, uh, Barkley was there he in 2011, but he didn't play in 2015. That's right, okay. Um, Lamont. Sean Lamont. Uh, Sean Lamont, yep. So you've got three more to get. Try to think who we still. Going this is why we don't do quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the six players who were in 2011. Who how many, how many do we got? We must have four. You've got now, three. But... You got Richie Gray, uh, Sean Lamont, Ross and Ross Ford. Who was it? Props, Rory, M15. You and Murray. No. Nope. You and Murray. No. Nope. He had a beast that night in Auckland as well. 
Um, I'll put you out your I'll put you out of the out your misery. It's, uh, Al Dickinson. Oh yeah. Al Strokosh, Richie Vernon were the other three. Oh, Richie Vernon. How do we not get Richie, Dory? <laughs> there you go. Um, what uh, the, the reason I'm saying that because what, what's interesting is that you that in terms of continuity of squad, I was looking at Gav's article. We had six players that played in 2011 and 2015. When you look at Gav's squad between 2015 and 20, what is going to be 2019? There's there's at least fourteen players, so at least half the squad are going to have played in a previous World Cup. I actually picked up because I didn't necessarily agree with all Gav's selections, but I actually said potentially that could be as high as seventeen, depending on what happens. And if you think about that, that's a massive step forward in terms of yeah. having that continuity. And you think, well, well, who's going to fill those other, you know, fifteen, sixteen spaces? It's going to it's likely to be players that are then going to be available in 2023 if i done my maths right there yeah yeah i'm having an awful night for maths yeah so potentially all those other players are going to be the same that are coming are going to then play in the next world cup possibly even a couple more if you think you know it's likely hog will make a, a third world cup yeah. you would have thought yeah i mean a lot of these the hogs only what 26 25 yeah. 25 is he yeah yeah just turned 25 i think so yeah i mean there's a good there's there's plenty I mean, Xander Fagerson is still only something ridiculous, 2022 20, or something. Yeah. So he's got, you know, he could have a bunch of World Cups in him. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's good to build that core of experience. And that is the, you know, that's what we've been talking about, really what I was talking about earlier, the, in terms of the, it's the experience, it's the game management. And, you know, it, it's even going right back to the start of the season. Brody talking about with scrummaging it. It's just experience. It's doing it over and over again is how you learn how to get out of these situations. Um, and yeah, so it's interesting to see that, uh, that there's potentially that many guys who've, who've been, cause I mean, 2015 was a pretty reasonable world cup as well. So um, that will, you know, that will sort of stand them in good stead. Possibly yeah. they'll learn to concentrate on the last line out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed Gav didn't pick John Welsh in his squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had one comment, which is uh, Bruce McConaughey on Twitter, uh, who said, and I, I agree with this. He'd like to see Ross Ford pull on the blue jersey one more time, so he gets a send off worthy of his 110 craps. And I think Gav was sitting, you know, Gav made the point in his article that if you look at Scotland now, Ross Ford is at best fourth choice hooker for Scotland. Mm-hmm. And a year ago, at the end of the summer test, we were saying, well, actually, he's back in the mix. But then he's had a run. Yeah, of he had quite a good, yeah. uh, quite a yeah. good summer tour, didn't he? That's yeah, he scored memory. two tries and again, two tries against um, Italy. I think he scored. Yeah. Did he, he scored against Australia as well off the back of them all. Yeah, he may well done. I think so. Might have done. So yeah, I mean, I, I the thing is, for all we we you know we we're down on him. I I like Ross Ford. I think the the thing that frustrates is is he's all he, he he had great potential when he started playing for Scotland and probably down to a combination of a general malaise around Scottish rugby and Edinburgh particularly. He, he he just probably didn't get the coaching and motiv- motivating he needed to sort of kick on and and become the player he could have done after that Lions tour. I mean, potentially... I mean it was probably, it's probably lack of competition as well. Yeah, I mean, there's that. I mean, if he is, I mean, if, you know, he comes back into some sort of form and somehow, you know, there's either an injury or he sort of pushes maybe George Turner out of the contention, then that's it's going to be his fourth World Cup. Mm-hmm. And there's not many players I, I, make four World Cups. 
No, true, but it's unlikely, right? Like, let's just pop the bubble for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I, I can't see him being there next year. I mean, how old is he now? Um, thirty-four, I think. So, oh Christ, that makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, you know, considering part of his strength was his ability to get around the park, right? You know, he was. He was one of the more mobile front rows in, you know, a decade of rugby where there probably weren't, you know, a huge level of mobility. He wouldn't be able to keep up these days. You know, if you took him to a World Cup and he was in, he got, had to get chucked on against Ireland, for example, you would worry, right? Yeah. He, another year in the legs. It's a, it's a young man's game up in that, at that level. Yeah. Um. The other question then I've got for you guys is, um. Do Scotland know their best 15 at the minute, Rory? Um, ye, ye, probably not. <laughs> um, um, no, I would agree. I, just, I, I would have been a bit more effusive for my answer. No, yeah. I, 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 I think that's quite evident. We don't know our, first, our best 15. I don't think we know our best 22. And that needs to happen pretty pronto between now and the end of the Autumn Internationals, I would suggest. Probably be 23. 23 even to keep the math steam going <laughs> <laughs> look Roddy we're going to be that good we can afford to get it yeah. yeah we don't need it um, the last one which is you threw this open on, on uh, Twitter tonight uh, Rory was um, it was somebody on it was uh, Andrew McGavin I think on the blog was sort of pondering the you know the players of the last 15 years during that sort of terrible the, the awful Andy Robinson years and, and even further back the dark ages it, yeah is there anybody from that time or that era that would you would want to see in a Scotland team now or that Scotland need in their team now, Al? Um, I saw this pop up earlier and the only one that jumped to mind was uh, Malkovich, Simon Webster, just to see how horrendously out of his depth he would have actually been in this Scotland side, just to see how horribly slow he might have actually appeared in comparison to players that are sort of moving at something resembling a rate of knots, um, <laughs> which is a bit unfair because I actually quite like Malkovich. He was a bit of a cult hero, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, it's a struggle to think. You think maybe a Sean Lamont in full flow, you know, I know he's not been that long out of the scene, but a younger Sean Lamont would have added something, certainly given good competition. Rory Lamont, if he hadn't got injured, the, the Evans brothers as well, might have been quite a good interesting see how they would have run in this in this team yeah, and the freedom that they would have got. But there's not a huge number, right? But there are odds and sods in there that would have certainly been there or thereabouts with regards to this 15. Did we get anything? Anybody? Um, there was quite a few people got back on Twitter. There were a lot of calls yeah, for Nathan I mean, Hines. Uh, yeah, well, the, the, there was quite a few for Nathan Hines. Um, Steve Scott of the, the Courier, Dundee Courier, he suggested Nathan Hines and a few others. Um, I was thinking maybe. I mean, there's a lot. There was a lot of people who who ju- jumped in with the the current theme of we need a number eight. Um, so Simon Taylor was one, was a name that popped up a few times. Uh, Ali Hogg. Um, I mean, with it, the constant injuries to uh, Super Dunk and Alex Dunbar, I was going to say Rob Dewey at twelve, but um, he, I remember that he blocked me quite early in the days of Twitter. So <laughs> uh, and plus Tooney wants a he wants a dynamic ball player there, not a JCB. So. Um, I'm going to just hope that those uh, centre boys recover and I'd probably go for well that one suggestion I did quite like uh, other than Chunk who is obvious why wouldn't you put Chunk in the team um, one that I would uh, be quite interested to see would be uh, Townsend himself yeah <laughs> to see if he can cope with his own his own playing style or his own coaching 
Um, so can you, yeah, somebody, we'll Tooney at, Tooney at 12. Well, somebody, yeah, somebody suggested Tooney at 12. Now, can you just imagine the combination of Finn Russell at 10 and Townsend outside of him? With George Horn at nine. Oh, Lord. With, with, with Townsend still coaching. <laughs> yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, the only other one I thought of was Joe Ansborough. Yeah. Ah, Joe Ansborough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. might have been. He'd probably have been there or thereabouts now anyway. just He might have been coming to the end of his career because he was, um, had that, broke, broke his back, didn't he, or his neck? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you head but Ali Strokosh. Yeah. <laughs> You're quite the same again. Um, I think that's probably we've we've uh, we've talked quite a lot. We've covered a, a good amount of ground with Scotland there, chaps. Um, we'll um, we'll be back um, very shortly, or it might be a number of hours or days even uh, if you choose to listen to the second part of this uh, whenever you want to. Um, but we'll be back with the second part, uh, so do uh, stay tuned. <laughs>